All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. I like to I like to look at you. I like to see your faces. Um, remember where God's placed me. You're my people. So if I haven't met you, I am Heidi Pagels, and my husband, who led worship today, and I have the privilege of pastoring here at Pullman Foursquare together. And um, so today we want to do something a little different. We're going to call it Quick Talks. So each of us is going to share a piece of uh, something that we heard from God, either for ourselves or for the church community, and we pray that you're encouraged and that something will resonate in your heart and that you too will hear from God. So the theme of this year's uh, conference was transformation, and it's a reminder to the pastors and the missionaries and leaders that if we're not transformed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we have absolutely nothing to offer anybody <laughs> that right you don't you don't really care I mean in a heart like how amazing we might be at whatever we do if our hearts aren't transformed first and foremost um, by the living living God so um at this conference there were 87 national leaders from all over the world that were at this conference so it was pretty cool um Foursquare is pretty big in Africa so there were a lot of really beautifully dressed people in their African, um, I feel like garb isn't even the appropriate word because they're dressed so beautiful. Um, th- one, one couple from Nigeria wanted to take a picture with me and one of my, I think Emma, it was Isaac, and we were dressed like mm, casual Northwest, <laughs> like not even this nice. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> Uh, but what an, what an opportunity to share a quick conversation with someone from who loves Jesus, um, just like us. So if you guys know Caesar, he comes to church here. He's a college student during the school year. He's rel- relatively an introvert. But we got to meet his parents. Yeah, I made that up. So he's he's extreme introvert. But we met his parents, who are also four square missionaries in a tiny community in um, Idaho. And where is it? Burley. You guys know Burley? And Burley, and it's so interesting, his mom doesn't even speak English. Um, so that kind of kind of was unique. So Caesar got to like translate for the two of us. That was a cool, cool moment. I invited her here to preach. So hopefully she'll take us up on it. So um, that would be pretty awesome. His parents also co-pastor there in Burley. Um, let's see, let me grab my so there were, um, at this conference, was one of the biggest conferences Foursquare's ever had. There were four almost, or there were 4,000 of us, right around that. And it was pastors, missionaries, and uh, leaders. And it was great. My favorite concert conference ever. The Holy Spirit showed up, challenged me, um, spoke to me. Um, some things that you think you you like read about in the New Testament stories actually happened um, there were people were healed uh, it's it's pretty amazing when people from other countries come and, and speak they have giftings that we don't see here every day in the United States or they're really rare 
Um, there's this guy named Leslie, Leslie Kegel, and when he preaches, he stands up there, and he starts saying, there's someone with kidney stones, a woman with kidney stones, you're healed. There's someone with back pain in your lower back, and, the, and you're healed. And um, that doesn't happen every day. It was, it's so cool. And people are healed. And um, it's good to be reminded that God is bigger than what I see. Because sometimes my, my view can get small, my view of God. Um, that was pretty great. This, um, so when we got home, the neighbor boy came over and he's like, hey, how was your trip? And um, I wanted to share it. Jamie told him it was great. And he's like, well, what was it? And Jamie's like, you know what? It's like camp for pastors. So I wanted you to know that's what you send us to every year. This is camp for pastors. And I know it's a good chunk of money for our community, but I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for doing that because we need it. Like the kids need camp. We need this. So we need a time to be away, to not be responsible for anything, and just to cry out to God for our own hearts, for the places in us that need to do some work. Um, This was the first year that Jamie and I, we both made comments. We felt like we belonged. Uh, We felt like we fit, like we had friends. And um, because we're kind of, when you get around thousands of people, you might we're kind of quiet. Like, it's it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's a little intimidating. And I thought, well, why did we feel at home other than the fact that time? Because I was thinking, we want you here. I want you to have that feeling of belonging like we had that feeling of belonging there. And I was like, what was it? I think this last year, I think the re- last year, Jamie and I went to a group with 30 pastors. And it was really intense. And we were trained in life coaching. And we had time to interact with people, like really interact with people, like hear parts of their stories and who they were and actually be able to really remember their names. And I think when we went to conference, I carried with it a sense of belonging. And I thought for you here, um, I want you, if you call Pullman Foursquare your church, I want you to feel safe and I want you to feel like you belong. So I want to invite you, when we do things, please come. When there's opportunities, women's brunches, to share your story. When there's a class, a discipleship class. When there's dinner at the park. I want you to come. I want you to feel like you belong. Because you can't really change. You won't really, I I don't think you will change and see the transformation that you're hoping or want until you feel like you're safe and that you belong. So for me, that's what I wanted to share with you is I want you to feel like in this place you're safe and you belong. Um, And you have the freedom to tell us if there's things, Jamie and I, that we do here that make it so you don't feel like you can belong or feel safe. And we will be mature and we will listen. I'll be mature, and I will help him be mature. (laughs) He's back there going, she's mature. So um, that's what I wanted to share to start with. Um, And now Rob Crossler, my friend and neighbor, is going to share next. Thanks, Heidi. All right, so um, my story is probably going to be a little different than others because Crystal and I went as volunteers. Um, What that meant is we gave... We signed up for 12 hours, turned into 13 hours. Um, 
is what it is, and um, of our time. So I looked at it as it was um, serving as a missionary to pastors, right? So Heidi talked about they were at camp. Our job was hopefully to make it feel like they could just show up and not have to work and do all of those things that pastors do each and every week. They could just show up and exist in an environment where they could just hear what God had to say to them at that moment. Um, But what that meant was we didn't go to many, if any, sessions. We went to one session while we were there because we were working during the sessions. Um, But at the same time, God showed up in the midst of um, that volunteer time and in the other times that we had to do things. Um, And we also uh, watched on Connection Live last night um, a couple of the talks we didn't get to watch while we were there. Um, So the first thing I want to share was a, a family experience we had, and it's something that you all got to contribute to. How many of you remember when we uh, gave to Project Nourish, that we raised money around Christmas time, I think, um, to feed kids? Well, we had the opportunity as a family, which was awesome, uh, maybe the highlight of the trip, actually, um, to pack food to send to kids who can't eat. And with that, hear the gospel, maybe for the first time ever in their lives. And so in about, it was technically two hours we signed up for, we spent first 15 minutes uh, being trained, and the last 15 minutes was clean up, wrap up t- sort of time. So we maybe worked for about an hour and a half, and this room had about 100 people in it, and we packed 210 boxes of food, which was 45,360 meals, and it fed 124 kids in a year. And that was one of three sessions. So by the time this conference was over, we probably, I I didn't see the final numbers, maybe they reported them um, later, but I want to say, based on math, it was close to 400 kids for a year. So, um, it was awesome. So, God uh, moved, it was was really fun. Packing food for an hour and a half was easy and was awesome, and (laughs) we had a great time. So, in serving, and, and that was one of the takeaways, right? In serving, in this moment where we were giving to others, we were blessed with an enjoyable time. So I think sometimes we think, hey, can you serve? Can you do this thing? You're all like, oh, it's work. It wasn't. I mean, it was, it was a blast. The music was playing. The room was rocking. Um, and it, it, was, it was awesome. Um, Jamie just wrote down 205,000 meals. So that was four times what I did. So 600 kids is what that comes out to. Fed for a year, thanks to um, giving of this church the giving of other Foursquare churches, um, and the work that was done there. Um, something else, and this was something that was revealed to me early on in the conference. So as a volunteer, um, the first day we worked was Monday. And so the conference didn't start, and our shift didn't start until about 6 o'clock, and it was a three-hour shift. And so we said, sweet, we're in Seattle, we're going to go have a good time. So we hiked around, went to Pike's Place Market, went to Ravenna Park, and um, did a lot of walking, got all my steps in for the day, all those wonderful things, and then we go and work. And can I tell you, by the end of three hours of interacting with people, I was tired. And then Tuesday morning, we get up, and we report back in for shift at 8 o'clock. I thought it was 9, but they said, no, no, we were wrong, it's 8. That's where the extra hour comes in. Oh, I'm tired, right? So we worked for four hours and then had some time, some downtime. We actually said, oh, we've got four hours off, let's go down to city center. So we go down to the Space Needle, go down to do this thing as a family, and we're all like, we're tourists a little bit. Um, and then we come back, and we work for three more hours. 
and I was exhausted. Crystal was exhausted. I'm not sure about my boys. I can't speak for them. But we were tired. And one of the things that was revealed to me is, is in that moment, I needed rest, right? I wasn't going to hear anything from God because I needed rest. And, and I thought of Jesus, right? And Jesus oftentimes went to a lonely place so he could reconnect with God. And if you think about what was Jesus doing when he wasn't in these lonely places, he was serving. He was ministering to people. He was surrounded by people who wanted to hear what he had to say, that wanted to interact with him. But he needed to step aside and be in that lonely place so he could connect with God. And for me, it really helped me to experience that and see why getting to that lonely place is an important place to get so you can connect with God. So uh, one of the the takeaways I I had from the the conference. Um, Two other things I, I would say I also got. Um, one was a resounding theme when I was able to pick up on in the sessions I went to, in the session I watched last night, and also there was a TV by registration where I worked where they played the session. It was kind of like a tease because you could watch for a little while until someone came and you needed to serve them. So you kind of like got like a little like five minutes of what they were saying. But one thing I picked up on that kept coming up was the importance of reading the Bible and being in the Word yourself. And so, so often, it's so easy to say, oh, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and the pastor's going to have great things for me and I'm going to, to hear it. Um, but the things that, that I heard that kind of you know, reinforce that whole idea of why it's important to be reading the Bible yourself, one is t- hearing from God and then following God. And the only way that happens is if you're in His Word and He's talking to you through that. Um, the other one being being guided by the Holy Spirit. And, and that comes through, through being in his word. And then finally, the other overarching theme that I, I experienced was this idea of fellowship. So we were working at the team, mostly of people from Yakima, um, Foursquare Church in Yakima, and we felt like we belonged. Um, we were having a good time. We were having a great time um, serving with these people. Crystal made the comment that it was awesome. Uh, there are awesome people in Foursquare all around the world and because we were working registration, we got to meet and interact with people from Africa, from places in Latin America, from Europe. There are people from all over the world, also all over the United States, that we had a moment to talk to, to share a little bit of stories with. Our kids in the youth group were hanging out at tables with people from other countries. And it was just a, a blessing and an encouragement um, to interact with these people. But the, the, the big takeaway for me... Um, in all this, is I've had the opportunity to volunteer at other conferences. Not Foursquare conferences, but conferences in the academic environment. So as a doctoral student, where you don't have much of a budget to go to conferences, the way you get to go for free is you volunteer. When I go to academic conferences and volunteer, I'm treated like lesser than. Um, I, I swore I would never volunteer at a conference again after the last time I volunteered at an academic conference, because people really treat you like you're a nobody, that you're a servant and worthy of, I don't know, nothing. Um, that's not the way it is when you volunteer at a Foursquare conference. Pastors and the people who were there were so appreciative and so graceful, it felt like we were all equals in the room, even though some were serving and some were being served. And for me, that was a great reminder that in this academic world that I'm placed in, there is a place where I can have influence. And that is, even though some people may be 
doctoral students who are volunteering and serving, or some people may be full professors that have some endowed chair with a name on it, that at the end of the day, we're all equal and deserve to be treated with the love and the respect that God wants us to show to everybody. And so that was a takeaway for me of something I can take out to the world. Um, and, and I really think that falls in with this last point I'll just mention, as that whole idea of discipleship. That um, I saw this come up either, but as we disciple others and we share with others and we're in the word, others are in the word, and we build each other up, that we can truly speak into others' lives and allow God to work in and through us. So those are my takeaways. There's a lot to take away. So, Bill? Um, me and Angela were able to celebrate our 24th wedding anniversary while we were up there. So that was cool. <laughs> that was a bonus. Uh, just got some hiking in and stuff like that. I love, I love Seattle uh, for that. Um, three people that I think, uh, I, there's a lot of speakers there. And there's a lady named Brenda and a guy named AJ and another guy named Leslie. And those are just the three people. I won't uh, go into everything, but, but I think, w- so with uh, the first lady, uh, Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil, uh, I'd heard her before uh, about a year ago, and, and she, she was talking about the, it was, I think it was kind of the same, same theme, but it really hit me and impacted me more this time. And I think one thing she said, um, you know, when, when Jesus went to the, uh, talk with the woman at the well, one thing she said was uh, he went there, he, he had to go there, you know. And it's, it's like, it was, it was something where um, she said, well, was that just like, yeah, you know, he, he had to go there because it was, you know, it was a shorter way than, you know, the Jewish people would go around and kind of avoid the, the Samaritans. There was really a hatred against them, the like, uh, Jews and Samaritans. But it's like, no, this was a necessity. He had to build a bridge, you know, to, to this, this gal. And, uh, and so, uh, so when they got talking, he said, um, he said, you know, I, I need a drink, you know. And it was like, that really hit me because she was saying that it wasn't just what he could give her, but actually what uh, the, the lady could give him. And he, was, he didn't have a, a cup, so he shared her cup, which was just unthinkable at the time with, with the Jewish culture, you know. But, but that's, that's who Jesus is, right? He, he bridges the gaps and he... Um, um, you know, he, he needs each of us. Even though he has so much to give us, you know, he, um, he reaches out. And, and, and that, that, that whole idea of, you know, as we bridge and maybe reach out to marginalized people or people that are nobodies or they think they're nobodies, that, um, you know, man, there's, there's so much there that they can give us, maybe more than we, we realize. Um, so to be open to that. And, and then later we went to, a, uh, it was a kind of a workshop, affinity group uh, with Native Americans, and I was able to meet meet a few. One guy who was, uh, uh, he's Mexican, and somehow his family was Jewish, and he's reaching Native Americans, you know? <laughs> so, and I heard about this guy before, and he had a big beard, right, this big gray beard. You know, almost looked like a Muslim guy. And, and I was thinking, man, 4,000 people, I want to I meet up with them, but I'm not sure how. And so we were eating Indian food one time, and I, I, I said, hey, that, that guy over there, he's coming by us. He, he's got a big beard. You think, think that's him? <laughs> and, and so I said, hey, you know, excuse me, do you, you don't reach out to the natives, do you? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, really gracious guy. And we had a great conversation. And, uh, and he, we kind of followed up. He called me yesterday 
uh, so we might do something this summer together. Um, but that was just, just a, a highlight uh, for, for me. Um, uh, so there's other stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll let Angela fill in the rest of it. It was just it was a blessing to be there. So. Yeah, I'd say it was a really profound time. And when Phil first talked about going and I kind of looked at the price, I'm like, you can go. I don't need to go. Uh, he's like, it's our anniversary. I want you to come with me. So I did. And, um, you know, I don't feel like called to ministry in the same way he does. We've been missionaries for a long time. And, of course, we're a couple, but we're not the same. So that first night I was there, and there's all these people doing all these amazing things. And I kind of felt like, well, who are you? You know, <laughs> like, and um, I'm not anybody special like it's my birthday tomorrow I'm 47 what have I done and I I just felt this sort of 47 is not exciting um I just sort of felt this like you know I'm a worm (laughs) just sort of that but you know the Lord just kind of said you don't have to be you don't have to be you don't have to compare yourself to others. And then as I got into the conference, it was awesome because you got all these people from all over the world doing all these different creative things. And, and it, it, it just was really cool to be there. And I'm glad. I don't know if I'll ever go to one of the... Um, Phil usually goes to the regional ones. I don't know if I'll go to the global one again, but it was really awesome. We're a part of something really awesome. And I would say the best part for me, all of it was awesome, but... We met people, like, at the Native American Connection we went to, um, which was really cool. Like, the whole way they did the meeting was so different, and we loved it. And, and you meet these people, and it's like, I've never met you before. I don't know you from Adam. But you feel this, like, totally. You're talking, and you're like, man, we're connecting. I, I get what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. And so we were able to meet with some of these people individually afterwards, and just those times where you, out of all these thousands of people, you find a few, you know, that you connect with. And honestly, that doesn't really happen that often. Like, you know, he's called the ministry, but he's a little out of the box. And and we um, met with another guy who just deeply, deeply encouraged Bill Kieselhorst from Portland, if anybody knows him anyway, just deeply encouraged us to you know, pursue God and go for it and don't worry about the definitions. And um, that was cool. So I we went to the conference. We're kind of at a blank page. Um, his last day with Crescent Project was the end of May. And we're kind of at this, well, God, we kind of wanted you to say what's next. <laughs> but that wasn't happening. Um, and, and so at the conference, I'm, I'm like thinking, he's just going to tell me, you know, okay, go here, go do this. He, that didn't really happen. But um, I felt like we got some really neat avenues to explore and met some really awesome people. And really, the way it happens in the kingdom, it's relational. It's connecting here to here. And um, that's pretty cool. So. So as a, as a preacher, I, I worry about Sundays like this because I feel like, you know, people, you have come to receive something from the Lord. And uh, we're not opening the Bible to read from it today and to, to receive something from it. 
Um, so in a way, I hope that our lives are becoming that open Bible for you. And I hope that you're opening your Bible tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday as well. Um, so that when you come on Sunday, it isn't the only time you hear the Word of God spoken or read to you. So let me encourage you in that. And we also didn't want this to be a Foursquare rah-rah session because Foursquare is committed to interdenominational evangelism around the world, but really interdenominational. So if anybody is like, hey, we're preaching Jesus someplace, we're like, we're with you. And we're, so if you're Presbyterian, if you're, uh, if you're Baptist, if you're Pentecostal, if you're not Pentecostal, whatever, we are, we are cheering those people on. So we want you to know that about this. This isn't meant to be any of that um, this morning. What we wanted to share was what we heard for ourselves and also what we heard for you. And um, at the beginning of the conference, the first night, we did something that was on one level just absolutely radical. I'd never seen it done before and it, entirely familiar at the same time. Uh, 4,000 pastors prayed over one another. I mean, literally turned to the person next to them. I happened to get Heidi. I was lucky. And uh, we, we anointed one another with oil and prayed for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit all across the room, all across the world, 4,000 people doing that. And it felt absolutely radical because it was something that we've never done at a conference like this before. But at the same time, it's totally familiar because it feels exactly like what we do for one another here every Sunday. And through that moment, I think, you know, I didn't, I don't know how you guys roll, and you guys know my story, and it seems to be a theme, like, I, I will, God, I want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, I want, you know, pour out this gift on me into nothing. You know, it just, okay. We prayed, we asked, because that's what we could do, and we could stand in faith. But over the course of the rest of the con- conference, um, for me, as your pastor, I felt that the Holy Spirit was pouring out a new anointing over me, to preach the gospel, and to, to lead you in worship, and to love the next generation, which was a big part of what we talked about. And I, I want you to know from my heart, um, the vision for this church is to love and to pass on the faith to the next generation. Um, for some, that means the college students are the next generation. For others, it's Generation Z, which is the generation that is currently rising up now, which makes up 26% of the U.S. population. Uh, it was shared with us that, uh, I'm on the wrong page, i got to get this right, 83% of people who come to faith in Jesus, they come to faith between 4 and 14 years old. 83%, and that's 26% of our population makes up those people. And there's many of them sitting in this room right now. As we have questioned and asked God, what, what are we supposed to be doing here? How are we supposed to make all of this work? How are we supposed to juggle all the pieces? The Lord has really directed me into um, loving and leading the next generation, Generation Z. And I want to invite you to pray with me over them as a church. This is something that I received for us. Um, that it wasn't just a, the four square globally. It's like we're targeting, oh, I don't like the word targeting. That sounded really bad. We're targeting children. <laughs> we are reaching and loving children. And because children are just as lost as adults in our culture today. The story of Jesus is forgotten. It's not a part of our culture anymore, which is so awesome because they're not inoculated. They're not, it's not like getting a shot where for the measles where you get a little bit of the measles and then you're immune to it. They don't have that little bit of shot of Jesus. They are completely unfamiliar. And when they get that full dose of Jesus, their lives can be radically transformed. And we're going to see a generation rise up to lead us 
in worship, to lead us in the gospel, to lead us in mission, to challenge us to transform and to grow and to be more like Jesus. I, I was like, this is a vision that's kind of pouring out in me, as even as I'm saying it, that it, it is, it's, a, it's incredible. And I was sharing with the Haas yesterday, we were, we were over at their house picking up our dog who was, you know, house-sitting with them, who's watching the Haas. And um, it doesn't work the other way. He just, they weren't watching him, he was watching them. And I was sharing with them, we were just talking about how our town is so hard because so many people come and so many people go and your heart gets so heavy and so hard. And I began speaking and again, I felt like the Spirit was pouring out an encouragement for us and for them. And that's this, is that, you know, we say goodbye a lot and it's really hard. But... Every year, new students, new people that are in this Generation Z, 25% of the population are coming into this town, and they're coming in hungry for relationships. They're coming in hungry for meaning. They're coming in hungry for belonging. And because of that, that is why we fall in love with people, you know, the agape love, so fast. People come in and they connect in ways that they would not connect if they lived in Seattle because they've already got their soccer club. They've already got their church. They've already got this. They're coming in this town hungry for transformation and they come and they engage with us and they're here for two years. So without the pain of saying goodbye, we don't get the glory of saying hello and watching people transform and be renewed by the power of God in our midst. So be encouraged because that is what the Lord is doing amongst us. So when fall comes, it's time to open our eyes and to look out um, we were challenged by Ted Vale, who is the U.S. Uh, Foursquare missionary. He's in charge of missions to the U.S. And uh, he, he talked about when his call when he was in high school. He got called from the Lord. And it happened in a really weird way. They were taking offering. And they were passing their offering baskets. And he was a college student. And he, was, he said he was trying to decide. He goes, he had $25 in his pocket. And, he was, and it was a 20 and a 5. And he was thinking about what he wanted to eat after church. And he thought, which one do I give? You know, do I want to go to Taco Bell or do I want to go to like, you know, I don't know, a nicer restaurant or whatever? And he's looking at the plate and he's hesitating as, you know, the guy next to him is waiting for him to pass the plate and they're wondering if he's going to take something out. And instead, God speaks to him and he says, why don't you put yourself in the plate? Anybody can put money in the plate, but I'm asking you to put yourself in the plate by giving your life to Jesus, by giving your whole self to Jesus. The missions uh, team there for Foursquare Missions, they were trying to raise up missionaries. They had this whole thing and they got stickers and they didn't bring one and it said, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from being a missionary across the street, being a missionary to your next door neighbor, being a missionary at your workplace, or even in your own home? What's stopping you from being the person that you dream that you could become in Jesus someday? What's stopping you from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and seeing miracles and Bible stories happen right in front of you? What's stopping you? Put yourself in the plate. One of the ways in which I felt like we were challenged to put ourselves in the plate, um, I need, I need uh, two male helpers. Uh, you guys, I think, are strong enough. Okay, you boys, could you help them carry? Okay, the three of you, would you come grab this and bring it right here in the middle of the stage? Got it? Come on up, Miss Britt. We're up right here in the middle of the stage. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Pull that mic. There you go. Does everybody know what this is? It's a horse trough. Exactly. It looks surprisingly like a coffin. 
And it is absolutely appropriate that it looks like a coffin because this is our baptismal tank. This is where we baptize people. And the representation of baptism is you go down into the grave and you come up into new life. We were challenged when he was talking about Generation Z and reaching the next generation. He said, when your kids go to camp, you need to have a plan to baptize them when they come home. Not because we just need to baptize people, because we stand in faith believing that our kids are going to come to faith at camp. And I thought, what about, what about Sunday mornings? I mean, we set this thing in the basement, empty, and it's full of dirt. It should be full of water, of resurrection. God called me in a prophetic voice to bring this thing out and to set it here every Sunday, and it's going to be in the way. Because he's going to fill it with people. And you know what? It's not me that's doing it. It's you. Get in the plate. It's time to start sharing your faith. It's time to start living the life you've always wanted to live. And let's fill this thing with water and let's start baptizing people. Not because baptism is a good idea or because it's some you know, right that we do, but because it represents people dying to their old self and rising to new life, coming out of their tombs. And that Lazarus come forth is a word that's going to be heard all across this city. But Lazarus' name is going to be replaced with your next door neighbor's name with your co-worker's name, with your son or daughter's name, with your friend's name, they're going to come to new life and they're going to walk out of that grave. That's all i got to share. Now, I, now I'm like, geez. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. All right, let's pray for each other. Let's do it. Um, so if, if you are uh, new to us, we like to pray for one another. Um, we like to get together in groups of three and practice. Practice talking to God with one another. So we're going to get in groups of three, and we're going to talk to God. We're going to lay hands on one another, um, and we're going to pray. Uh, pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill that person. Pray for them to experience things they haven't experienced before. So let's get in groups of three, and let's pray.